Hi, this is Pastor Bob. We're going to the Word of God today to find out the origin of demons. Are fallen angels really demons? Then what are demons if they're not fallen angels? Well, there's a lot of questions open up. But we're going to go to the Word of God today and help explain all these things. I trust you'll be smarter when this broadcast is over. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 9. We're going to take a look at verse 1. Then we'll go back to Genesis chapter 1 and talk about uh, Adam. In the first place, I want to talk about Noah, then go back to Adam and use a word in there that's going to kind of help open up what I have to say. For those of you who are partners, thanks for joining us today. For those of you who aren't partners, thank you for joining us today. If you're watching for the first time, we really welcome you and thank you for watching the broadcast. Maybe you've heard about it from other people or maybe you just read about it or somebody's told you, you know, to look it up. So you have and uh, we believe you're going to enjoy the word of God today. Uh, there's a particular subject I've stayed away from because it seems so controversial, but you know, I was just, I came to it. I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead and teach on it. It is so scriptural. And so if this uh, makes your hair stand on end or you become angry as you hear this, I'm simply going to take it from the word of God. We're going to talk about where Satan came from, fallen angels came from, where demons came from, and where the giants came from. In the Old Testament, talk about the difference between all of them and what the scriptures have to say. And so we've had some questions written in about it. What do I, where do I stand on this? And I decided, eh, I believe this ever since I got a call to the ministry, went to Bible school. And our minister that was there, Brother Duncan, he came, he was kind of old school, but he came out of a background of just all these famous men back in his day that wrote uh, from the scriptures. And this is something he taught us in class one day, and I about came unglued. I thought, what is this? I've never even heard anything like this. Yet he went word by word through the book of Genesis in this particular verses talking about this. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, I hope you found it by now, this is where the Lord is speaking to Noah after the flood. And he tells him, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. The word replenish is interesting. It is the Hebrew word male, and it means to fill or refill or to finish filling. And uh, what the Lord was telling him here in this verse of scripture was be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Because why? The world's population had dropped down to eight people. And God said, it's up to you to replenish the earth or refill the earth or finish filling the earth. In other words, this is something where God said, well, you small group of people, you're going to replenish the earth. You know, if we ever traced our heritage back, you could go all the way back. We would eventually come to Noah and his family. Then going on further back, we would go back to Adam and Eve themselves. Noah was to replenish Beginning, begin putting people back on the earth after a flood that devastated and killed everyone, all the animals except for those in the ark and all the people except for those in the ark. And then again, he says, I want you to go back and begin putting people back on the earth after a flood that devastated everybody. A population or a race was here before. No, we know that. 
I mean, the Bible's so strong in telling us that. I'm just simply saying something to you here that's obvious, but I'm gonna take this obvious truth and stick it back in Genesis chapter one. And I want you to notice that the Lord said this to Adam in, in Genesis chapter one and verse 28. And so Adam was the only one here. Inside of him, he was carrying Eve. And so the Lord spoke to Adam and Eve, who was to be brought out of him later and given a body. But again, it says in Genesis 1:28, to Adam, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. There's that exact same phrase with the exact same wording that he gave to Noah in Genesis chapter nine and verse one. He said, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. Guess what the word replenish is? Same word, male. And male again means to fill, refill or finish. And he says, and replenish the earth and subdue it. And the word subdue means kabos. It's the, it's the Hebrew word kabos, to subject it, to overcome it as a king taking over a land and was used of the uh, kings of Israel overtaking Canaan and the people of Israel overtaking Canaan and eventually setting up rule over it. But I want you to notice the same thing was said before of both of them. Noah was to replenish, put people back on the earth after a flood. Why? Because a population, a race was here before Noah. Adam, the same thing was said to him, and it was to begin putting people back on the earth after a flood. And the flood was what appeared in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which means a population or a race was here before Adam. The earth is not 6,000 years old, perhaps millions of years old or billions of years old because there was races here before Adam. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've heard this before and just a bunch of nonsense. Why would God use the same word for Adam and then later on for Noah and tell them to replenish, which means there was something here before. When he said it to uh, Noah again, there had been a race there for quite a few years, quite a few hundred years, and then God sent destruction. But the same thing was true back when he put Adam here, he told him to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Isaiah 45, turn there with me. I know you can see it on the screen here, but I just want you to go back with me in your own Bible because you know what? You might want to mark this down. And uh, this is very critical stuff. And uh, although it has nothing to do with the Christian walk today, it does help us to understand the earth we live on. There are people that say, well, the earth is only 6,000 years old. Well, Jesus told his disciples when they were talking about Satan, he said, when God cast him out of heaven, I was there. And he said, he cast him out of heaven to the earth beneath. And you know what? That, that didn't happen during the six days. God didn't throw Satan out of heaven at that time. We'll read the verses of scripture dealing with that. But Isaiah 45 and verse 18 gives us an idea of how God created the earth. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the, uh, created the heavens and the earth, verse two, and the earth was without form and void. If you take it as it stands, it looks like what God is saying is, in the beginning, God created the earth. And when he created it, it was without form and void. Then God started taking this planet without form and void and, and raised up the Garden of Eden and put Adam and Eve there and raised up other things and fruit trees and all that and fish and all that. Well, what he was doing was he was replenishing the earth. All that existed before the time of Adam. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. I want you to notice what it says here. Clearly, this is when God created the original earth in beauty and he created to be inhabited. Isaiah 45 and verse 18 says, for so says the Lord who created the heavens, God himself who formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain. Here we have exactly what was being told us in Genesis chapter one, 
And it says here, he did not create it in vain. The word for vain is the word tohu, T-O-H-U, and it means without form. He did not create it without form. It was not void when God created it. Notice the next phrase, he formed it to be inhabited. This is before he restored the earth in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. This is back in the time of the original creation of earth. He created it not in vain, that's without form. He had formed it to be inhabited. But later after this in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23 through 26, a tragedy has happened on earth, and God has judged the earth. After the time in Isaiah 45 and verse 18, where God created the earth and made it to be inhabited, and it was not done in vain, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23 through 26 tells us some tragedy happened. And God judged the earth, and in Jeremiah 4, 23 through 26, he says, I beheld the earth, and it was without form and void. Tohu. And the word void is bohu, and the word and between it, the Hebrew actually says tohu wa bohu. Tohu, without form, and void, bohu. The word here is the exact same words found in the opening of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void. But I want you to notice this, the without form and void happened. It became, before the time it became in Isaiah 45 and verse 18, God did not create the earth without form. He formed it to be inhabited. It was a beautiful place, but something happened that caused the earth and God put a judgment on the earth. And in verse uh, 23 again, I beheld the earth, it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had no light, which means it used to have light. Now the heavens have no light. So the earth was actually shining and there was a light coming down to it long before Genesis chapter one. In, tw in verse 24, I beheld the mountains and they trembled and all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld there was no man. Why did he say it? Because before that there were some, there was men on the earth. There was a race on the earth and all the birds of the heaven had fled. Look at verse 26. I beheld the fruitful land was a wilderness and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Notice something else. There were cities here. Before the time Adam was ever here on the earth. Now, some of you are going crazy. You're saying, this is just nuts. No, the Bible advocates there was something on this earth before the time of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, when God put Adam and Eve here. There were races here. There were cities here. There was light there. There was the heavens that were here. It was not created. Originally, God never created this earth without form and void. But that's how it appears in Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1 simply is telling us again, that God was now going to restore the earth and he was going to tell Adam to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Okay, let's turn to Genesis chapter one, take a new look or at least a fresh look at it. Now, some of you are going, I don't know if I believe this at all. I've heard this from certain people out there. I thought they were all idiots or stuff like that. I'm not an idiot. And there is books on this. In fact, the finest date Bible is one of the best on this whole thing. There's another book of talking about the earth's earliest ages by a man named Pember. And Earth's Earliest Ages can be downloaded. It's an old book, but man, does he get into this and explains it so well. Others, uh, those that are fundamentalists, believe the very same thing because why? The Word of God is so strong in teaching that when God created the Earth, it was beautiful. And there were cities here. There were people that lived here. And because something happened that caused chaos in this Earth, God just stopped the whole thing 
and flooded the earth. The flood of Noah was the second flood that was on the earth. The first one, God flooded the entire earth, killed everyone that was here, and then removed the light, removed the heat, and the whole earth froze. And it was the ice ages. What we've talked about is the ice ages. We're here for we don't know how many thousands and thousands of years possibly that the earth was out there and there was no life forms on it except for the spirits of fallen beings. And so in Genesis chapter one, verses one and two, God restored the earth. This is the restoration of earth and it's a whole new plan that God has. Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's the ancient earth, the one we were talking about. But verse two says that the earth was without form and void. No, the Hebrew has here the word hayah, and it means to become or come to pass. And the earth became without form and void. Tohu wabohu. In Genesis chapter one, verses one and two, we have the same thing that was told us in Isaiah 45. And then in verse two, it became as Jeremiah saw it in Jeremiah chapter four, verse 20 through 26. And here we have in this verse of scripture, Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth became without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. You say, well, my Bible says the earth was without form and void. Look it up. The word hayah means to become or to come to pass. It came to pass that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then the spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. When we come back after the break, we'll take it up from there. See you right after the break. Do angels really exist today? What is their purpose? How do they appear in the earth? What about demons? Where did they come from? Are they fallen angels? And can they actually possess a person? In 15 audio lessons on angels and demons flash drive, Bob Yandian teaches what the Bible has to say in a comprehensive topical study of angels and demons. Lesson series include Angels, God's Messengers, A Study of Angels, the Christian and Demons, and A Study of Demons. MP3 audio files can be played on computers, MP3 players, smartphones, tablets, iPads, and iPhones, as well as car audio systems equipped with a USB port. To order Angels and Demons, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I know the announcer just talked to you about the series I have on angels and demons. It's in here. I've taught it before many, many years ago, and I didn't teach on it that much in church because, you know, it's not a thing that the, the congregation just gets all, you know, I don't want them to get all turned off and, and excited or unexcited about something that really has no eternal value to it. It's just something that I think is important to help us understand where the earth is today and what happened to the earth long before Adam and Eve were really here. And so if you listen, if you don't believe a word I'm saying on this whole thing, well, then hallelujah, join me in heaven anyway, because that question that Jesus is going to ask you when you come into heaven, if he asks you any questions at all, it's not going to be, did you believe in a pre-Adamic race? And if you say, uh, no, I don't, he says, well, you can't come in then. And so he cast you into hell. No, that's not going to happen because that's not the whole essence of getting to heaven. The essence of heaven is, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? But I do believe that throughout eternity, God's going to be unfolding these things. And what we have here in these verses of scripture that I'm simply bringing out to you is so clear cut that there was something here before Adam and Eve. There was a race on the earth. There were cities that were here. How long it lasted, we don't know, but we do know what caused the earth to be suddenly put under a penalty and a curse placed on the earth until the day that God could put Adam and Eve here and start, in essence, a whole new plan. Genesis chapter one, let's take a look at it again, verses one and two, in the beginning. The beginning here is a, a way back to what we were talking about in the time when God literally created the heavens and the earth in beauty and had races that were here. And, and, and we're going to talk about it in the verses to come, but Lucifer was placed over the earth and uh, he was here. He rebelled against God. And so the whole kingdom that was on this earth rebelled against God. And God just simply brought a curse on it, wrapped everything up, covered it in water, drowned everything that was here. And uh, then he started over again. We don't know how long later. It could have been millions of years later. Uh, billions of years later. We don't know exactly how old the earth is, but one thing about it was that he removed the light and so the water that was here froze. The earth went through its ice ages, reformed the shape or the actual uh, foundations of the earth and re reformed the surface of the earth. And then God started again in Genesis chapter one and verse one and two. And then in verse two, we have the restoration of the earth. And, here, and again, here's what it appears like in verse two. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The first thing that happened was the Holy Spirit, in fact, the Hebrew says this, the Holy Spirit brooded over the face of the waters, much like a mother hen sitting on those eggs and warming it. The spirit of God began to move around the earth, began to warm it up, the waters began to melt and land began to come up as God literally restored the earth. Again, in verse two, the earth was without form and void. No, the Hebrew says the earth became. Look it up. I did. And the first definition for it is became. And then it mentions underneath there, back down to it, of what this verse means. The earth became without form and void. We read that again back in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. And we read the first verse out of Isaiah 45, that when God created the earth, it was not without form and void. It was beautiful, but something happened. And Jeremiah chapter, 
chapter four tells us about it, that the earth was suddenly without form and void and there was no light and the mountains trembled. There was no birds in the heaven. There was no men on the earth at that time. And then he says in the wilderness and the cities were broken down. There were cities that people lived in at that time, always has been. And so we have in this verse of scripture again in Genesis 1, 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. At earth's original creation before its destruction, Lucifer's throne was on the earth, Ezekiel chapter 28. Again, I admonish you in there, get your Bibles out and look at this and have a notepad right there beside it because we're gonna talk about what this verse has to say. The original creation before Adam and Eve were placed here, Lucifer's throne was on the earth and Lucifer had not fallen yet. He was God's highest ranking angel. He's called in the word of God, the anointed cherub that covers. The anointed cherub, cherubs are the highest ranking angels in heaven and cherubs are the one that are on each side of the throne. And so the cherubs are up there and Satan and Lucifer was called the anointed cherub that covers. It means the highest ranking one that was over the cherubs. Well, if he was over the cherubs and all the angels are under the cherubs and the seraphim and, and all the other ones that are under there and the ranking on down to the you know rank and file angels we have on the earth, all of them were under uh, Lucifer himself. And so he was the highest ranking angel in heaven. You might as well say this, there was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Lucifer. And so God put him over part of his creation and where he put him was on earth. It says in Ezekiel 28, and here's talking about the fall of Lucifer in, in verse 12 through 18. Son of man, he's speaking here to Ezekiel, son of man, take up a lamentation on the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre is Lucifer. Before this, in the verses before this, we had the uh, ruler of Tyre, which was the natural ruler. But now we find in verse 12, the one behind this natural ruler was Lucifer. Son of man, take up a lamentation on the king of Tyre, Lucifer, and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Did you catch that? Where did he rule from? He ruled from Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. By the time we get to Genesis chapter one, the precious stones, the garden of God, Eden was all turned over to Adam and Eve. But here we find that before Adam and Eve ruled from there, Lucifer ruled from there. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared in you from the day that you were created. You were the anointed highest ranking cherub, highest ranking angels who covers. You had rulership over all the angels and I established you that way. You were on the holy mountain of God. It says here, not only did you rule down here on this earth from Eden, but you had access to heaven back and forth. You could go to the mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the days that you were created until iniquity was found in you by the abundance of your trading. Your wares, the Hebrew says, it's talking about all the riches that he had. You became filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, in the midst of the fiery stones. Let me tell you what the fall of Lucifer was. He had a rulership over all the riches of the earth, over the gold, the silver, every kind of stone that was, and one day it went to his head. The fall of Lucifer was the love of money. 
you come back to it. It's simply from him comes down all throughout all the ages. And the reason why we have so much rebellion, government rebellion toward people, or we have the, the local deal, all these things that come down to it, everything comes down to the love of money. No, and listen to this, listen to this. Why in the New Testament is it stayed this way? The love of money is the root of all evil. It's because the very first sin that was committed wasn't just the pride of Lucifer. It was the fact that he looked at money and saw power in money and it went to his head and he thought he could use it to overthrow God. He thought the money would give him enough and that's exactly what we've had ever since. Governments try to be God. They try to rule over God and they think the more money they have, the more power they have and they don't understand God does not get his power from money. He gets it from the Holy Spirit. He gets it from his own power, his omnipotence. And so by the abundance of your trading or your wares, you became filled with violence and you said, therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. That's heaven. You'll have no more access there. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. He threw him back down to the earth. I laid you before kings. There were kings here that they might gaze at you. And the moment he cast him down to this earth, Satan went on a rampage. He was no longer Lucifer. He was now Satan. He went on a rampage and his desire ever since then is to overthrow God. He's tried it through everything. And when, when Adam and Eve were placed here, he tricked them, got his position back in the garden. He thought this was so easy, but God had a plan. And what the God's plan was, he told him, he said, you've done this, but I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna be destroyed by the seed of the woman. He began to go after children from that time on. He began to go after those that were being born and he tried his best to kill them. At the time of Moses in the Old Testament, when he found out Moses was born, he put in the heart of Pharaoh and Pharaoh started killing all the children two years and under, trying to get to him, the small children. Same thing happened when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and the king there tried to start killing all the children two years and under to try to get to him. He's tried every way since. And what we just talked about in the verses before this that went on in the earth before this, and then later on after this, whenever God restored the earth in Genesis chapter one, by the time we come to chapter six, what happened was is that Satan was trying to overthrow the earth and he was trying through all types of things to stop the seed of the woman from coming. His whole idea is to one day overthrow God. That's the purpose of the tribulation. The purpose of the tribulation is going to be that Lucifer is going to try through seven years to take over the throne of God on earth in Jerusalem, in the temple, put his antichrist on the throne there and to rule. And once he keeps Jesus from sitting on that throne and the time goes past it, he will claim the earth is his own. But God's going to win. At Armageddon, God's going to win. Throughout the tribulation, God's going to win. And Satan will be cast off this planet at the end of the time of the millennium. And Jesus Christ will come and rule and reign. It simply comes back to this. God's word always comes to pass. Satan still won't believe that. He still, it's like every time Satan is defeated, he gets it going. I think if I try it this way this time, I can overthrow him. But this thing comes all the way back to the time period between original creation and the restoration of earth, however long this was. Whatever was here at that time, we don't know everything that was here. But I can simply tell you this, God took everything back there, put it under water, put it under ice, froze it. It went deep into this earth and today we're running off whatever was here at that time period before. We call it fossil fuels. 
God turns cursing into blessing. No matter how long ago, if it was a million years or hundreds of thousands of years, God took all that stuff and crushed it back there. And we have power today. God always turns things around. And I don't care how long ago some of those problems have been in your life. God will turn it around and make a blessing out of it. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to take up from this whole teaching from Isaiah chapter 14. If you want to read ahead, we're going to go from verse 12 through verse 17. We're going to take how Lucifer became Satan, was cast out of heaven, not allowed back into heaven anymore, hit the ground, and weakened the nations that were here. We're going to find that out. And uh, that there were nations here. There were people here. There were people groups here. There was beauty. Uh, there's a gorgeous planet. And Lucifer was given that. And as long as Lucifer kept worshiping God, the leader of worship of all the creation and the leader of the world out here and making heaven and earth work together, that was his whole thing. And and he was perfect all the time until one day iniquity was found in him. We're going to find out you have said in your heart, this is where sin began. Sin did not begin with the action of Lucifer. It began with a thought on the inside of him. And that's where your sins start. And that's where your weaknesses come from. Learning to have the mind of Christ is the most important thing in the Christian life and walking it out. I could keep on preaching, but you know what? I will see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.